where we are doing chapter 38, the description of the Handi Sai Satcharitra. My obeisance to Sri Ganesh, to Sri Saraswati, to Sri Guru Maharaj, to the family deity, to Sri Sita Ramachandra, my most humble obeisance, I bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru Sri Sainath. O Guru Ara, you, are, you, bring, you who bring joy to the whole world and are eager to help the devotees achieve their desired ends and to remove the threefold afflictions of those who seek refuge at your feet, we make obeisance at your feet. O most munificent one, protector of the humble and deliverer of the devotees that surrender to you, it is for doing good to the people that you have taken an avatar. Hail to you, O destroyer of duality. Glory to you, O captor of the devotees' heart and their liberator from the worldly life. O most compassionate Guru Raya, we hail thee. What good fortune of ours has come to fruition that we saw your holy feet and experienced the joy of your company. But gone is that time never to return. The beautiful image that took shape out of the pure molten liquid of the true self poured into the mold of Brahma is this Sai, the greatest among the saints. Sai himself is Atmaram or the self. He alone is the abode of happiness. So perfect himself, satiated in all his desires, he makes his devotees desireless too. He is described in brief as one who has the quality of swallowing death himself with the unique power of all the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas who are the followers and the protectors of Dharma. See. The, the the sentence which came before this, where it is said that he takes away the desires. When, when the guru comes into your life, what happens is, all the desires that you think, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, the first thing that the guru does is, okay, so tell me what is it that you want, the first question he will ask you. And what do you say? Oh, I want this and I want this and I After a few months or year, the I want this becomes silent. There is no wants left. Because what he does is he starts de deleting the wants. Because these wants no longer are going to give you what you are actually come there for. Which is called emancipation. Which is called basically liberation or what we call as you know feeling free. That doesn't happen. So when the guru comes into the picture what happens every desire in your world is destroyed. You no longer have any kinds of desire in your world. So, if you wanted to, say, eat something, have a house, or buy properties, or have cars, or, you know, God knows, whatever things that you have desires of in the world, all these desires come to a standstill. And then what happens? Then you surrender at his feet, and then you say to him, whatever is Shri Chi Ichha. Shri means God. That means whatever the God wishes will happen in my world. So, I don't have any wish. Use me as a tool to do whatever you wish me to do. So, we become a pipeline, a conduit. Remember this. We bring up our children. So, who is the one who is actually taking care? The child needs something. So, you are the conduit, you are the pipeline through which it is going to the child. So, it is whose destiny we are actually fulfilling? We are fulfilling the child's destiny. It is no longer yours. You got what I am saying? You are just a pipeline. That boy has to go to some fancy school and, uh, you know, become a very big uh, IAS officer or God knows, president of some country or something like that. You are just a sadhan. Understand sadhan. You are just going to be there in the middle to provide for him. So, just think about it. So, the moment you understand this, your own desires are completely disappeared. 
they become the desires of the next one which are getting fulfilled through you to that person so you are just a pipeline and what are you actually you are just taking it from there and giving it there so even if you are getting a salary or money or pension or god knows whatever the thing that you are getting it is all coming through you to that person only not to you you are nobody now wo jo nal hai wo dusra hai you are just a pipeline okay so this is how you have to see he who snaps the bondage of birth and death etc before him i a dull ignorant one bows in obeisance in the last chapter i have described very lovingly the saudi ceremony of sainath now in this chapter listen to the description of the ever delightful handi an infant only knows how to eat but does not know what to eat and it is the mother who has to take care for him by feeding him milk or the morsel of food so also does my mother sai who makes me hold the pen and out of love for his devotee has got this composition written effortlessly from me for every yuga respectively the dharma shastra has prescribed proven means to attain moksha as for krita or satyuga during the first two yugas it was penance for treta the attainment of knowledge okay dwapara that is the first one is krita or satyuga that it was penance people used to sit in tapascharya over there for thousands of years you know the second one is knowledge during shri ram's time it was only knowledgeable people third one is yagya that is a performance of sacrifices during krishna's time and now kali yuga is charity and the reaching of god through charity it happens by devotional methods so these are the methodologies which are there for every yuga so in the last yuga today we are in the kali yuga we have nearly crossed approximately 6000 years 6 7000 years of the kali yuga we are just about 2000 years away from the first epoch that is the first point where the whole thing breaks out into the open and then it is another 4 lakhs and 22000 years one should keep giving all the time in charity but its main significance lies in the appeasement of hunger hence annadan or feeding in charity regularly is the chief among all actions at the stroke of 12 at noon one is extremely agitated without food as for us so with others he who realizes this in the heart is indeed a good man among all prescribed rules of conduct the first and the most important is annadan if you consider carefully none other than none other is greater than this food is just another form of parabrahma and all the living creatures are born out of it food alone is the means of sustaining life and after that it is in the food that it merges when a guest arrives the householder should satisfy him by offering food whatever may be the time of the day those who turn away without offering it invite adversity and mistake will when giving clothes vessels etc it is to be considered now this is a very very important line please remember this line is extremely important consider whether the receiver is deserving or not but for annadan no such consideration is needed so many a times what we do no we have certain things in our house like you know clothes and vessels and this and that and so many things which are just lying over there somewhere so what we do is we give it to actually the most undeserving people we give it to servants and those who have come to work in our houses these are those people are not even worthy of being given what makes you think that they are worthy so you have to give only to the deserving ones and the deserving ones 
this is actually a very difficult thing to say at this point in time because it requires a very big uh, it's a topic by itself so but you have to understand and give it only to the deserving ones okay but food so the annadan is what we should be looking at such is the great importance of annadan as described in the shrutis that is taitriya upanishad chapter 3 hence baba also satiated people by offering them food and followed the customs traditions handed down by traditions money or anything else given in charity is incomplete without annadan is there any splendor to the stars without the moon without a necklace have beauty without a locket as varan among the shard rasa or the six flavors of taste so does annadan bring the highest merit among all meritorious deeds a spire without a pinnacle a lake without a lotus will always be wanting in beauty the varan means basically what we do is we use a dal and we boil it uh, put little haldi and salt and stuff like that and cook it for some time that and you put go pour ghee on it now rice with this varan it has to be served first it is called annapurna purna you have to complete that food so whenever whenever uh, you can hear me properly okay no there is no problem no uh, what happens is that this varan which is mentioned over here is mentioned in the puranas also and that is the thing that you need to do if you have a small puja or something like that always first give this varan bath like varan and rice these two things okay the dal which is there yellow color dal which is there tur dal you know tur dal just cook it simply and with rice this has to be given that is called annapurna it, it is a completion process so bhajan without loving devotion a married woman without kumkum or the red mark on the forehead effort of singing without a sweet voice or buttermilk without a pinch of salt so is the charity without annadan so these are the things if you give buttermilk and you don't put salt in it the buttermilk is of no use again the same thing a woman without any bindi on top of her head in i mean we are talking about india so it it becomes incomplete so in our indian tradition we put one small bindi over here even for the child you know we put some black tikka somewhere <laughs> i'm sure you know that we call so even among the receivers of annadan those who are afflicted weak blind lame deaf or poor should be given food first relatives and other people should come after now for the sake of those who are curious i shall make an attempt to give a general idea of baba's handi to the listeners handi is the pot the vessel which he used to have in the courtyard of the mosque a big fireplace would be made up on which would be placed a broad mouth vessel filled with the required amount of water sometimes he would prepare sweet rice sometimes a pulao with pieces of meat in it sometimes love lumps of dough squeezed and shaped in the hand would be added to be cooked with the varan along with these sometimes he would gently slip into the boiling varan lumps of wheat dough patted into panagas or rodgas these are you know um uh small round things which are just dumped inside himself grinding the spices on the stone slab he would make all the preparation for cooking he would then pat tiny cakes from the finely ground moong dal and slip them softly into the handi in the hope of attaining heaven those who perform yagya and get the animals killed with rites and rituals offer them to the sacrificial fire even brahmanas eat the leavings of the meat 
This is called slaying sanctions by the Shastra. Baba also sent for the Mullah to recite Fatiha. That is the first chapter of the Quran by the way. Our mantras according to the Islamic scriptures Quran and with the proper rites got the she-goat to be slaughtered. This handi was of two types, sometimes large and sometimes small. Cooking food in it, he used to feed those who wished to partake of it. The one that supplied food for 50 was the smaller of the two, while they contained food enough for 100 with some food remaining, still remaining was the larger one. He himself went to the grocer to buy the ingredients and settled the account. Here there was no question of credit, money was paid in cash by hand. Chili, salts, condiments like cumin seeds, black pepper, vegetables, coconuts, kernels, Baba himself purchased all considering the required requirements carefully. Now you have to know this one thing very clearly. This, Whenever you are going out to buy, it is your duty, not that uh, shopkeeper's duty to ask for your discounts and uh, get the price reduced. Okay, So don't you go, and go to the shop and say you know. Okay, kitne ka hai and buy that thing at the price, whatever he says. No. Baba also used to negotiate the rates. And he would bring the rates down like nobody's business. He would if somebody said you give give this to me for 28 rupees, and he will say, No, I will give you only for 20. This. And then the argument will happen and happen and happen. And finally he will get it the price that he wanted. Now, if you say that you know I don't like to bargain, it's not about bargaining, it is about getting the right value for your money. You have mon given money, isn't it? The money should give its value worth. From your life also, don't you take something value worth? So in this life also remember whether you are buying even rice or wheat or whatever. Chilies also, don't worry. If the chili fellow says, you know, 70 rupiah kilo hai, 100 rupiah kilo hai, you say, Baju ka dukan mein kilo mein mil raha hai, kilo ka de do. I mean, who says you cannot negotiate? You should. And get the best of the quality, but the best of the quality at the best of the rates, which is which is the way you should always deal. It's like this, you know, when, when you were in college or school or something like that, I am sure, you know, what we have done, we have gone to the bookshop, bought a fresh book and at the end of, and covered it nicely. And at the end of the year, we have returned it back and got that, you know, 30-40%. You remember, this is how books had to be treated. So, we have read the books, the big, big, fat, fat ones. You know, you I, I during my times, the hundred rupees was the highest price of the book. So <laughs> you go and buy that book, and then you say to the dealer, you put a stamp over there. If returned, you will get seventy percent back. See, so we were getting value for money, and that is how you should always look at it. Value for money is very very important. So Baba used to always consider this value for money is very important. So he will bargain like nobody's business. So, sitting in the mosque, Baba would himself set up the koan with his own hands and grind wheat, pulses, jawar, etc. All the effort of the handi was made tirelessly by Baba himself. Even the task of grinding spices was undertaken by him with great sincerity. To make the fire in the fireplace burn slowly or bright, he himself moved the faggots up and down repeatedly. Having soaked the pulses in water, he would begin grinding them on the stone slab and prepare a piquant dish added to it, asafoetida, cumin seeds, coriander leaves, etc. Making a coil about an arm and a quarter in length of the kneaded dough, he would divide it into the balls, rolling each one to make a large chapati or flat thin wheat cake. I'm sure you know you can imagine how he must be sitting over there and doing. You know that he is rolling out over there. In olden times, we never had mixers. So you had that big grinding thing, you know, you keep on grinding it over there. Think about Baba sitting over there. He has got that Ajahn Bahu, I told you, long hands. 
and he would do it with like this you know sitting over there with his two legs spread apart like that or the kuan that thing you know chakki in uh, in chole he said na chakki pissing and pissing like that so big chakki he would keep on going like that round and round think about baba doing that such a wonderful sight to see and he would never allow anybody to because the spices see understand this very carefully he is the greatest of the saints but a knowledge of the way of cooking they are fabulous believe it or not some of the greatest of the sages that we have read about even that swami rama from the himalayas that we talk about he also would go and stand in the kitchen and make you know they they had this great thing that they could cook the best of the meals and what you taste from their hands is like oh my god type of food you know amazing taste so you should always eat from guru's hand sometimes you know <laughs> whenever you get a chance you should eat because it is so very tasty it's so very tasty so making coil with an arm and a quarter in length with a kneaded dough he would divide it into balls rolling each one to make a large chapati or flat thin wheat cake and that does not mean that you put him in the kitchen and you are banish <laughs> that doesn't mean that poor fellow he will be just standing over there and cooking away for all the <laughs> adding jawar flour to the already measured amount of water he would put some buttermilk in it to make it ambil or a thin sour gruel in the handi then very lovingly baba would serve the ambil with his own hands to all along with the other food with great respect thus making sure that the handi was cooked properly he would take off for of the fire and carry it to the mosque then after offering fatiha or prayers the food with proper rice rites by the maulavi he would first send the prasad to mahalsapati and tatya then the remaining food baba would serve with his own hands and would feel great contentment by satisfying the hunger of the poor and the meek why is this fatiha done remember the things which we were talking about there are there are millions and millions of those small jivas inside the food if we offer it first to the lord what happens he is taking all the credit for eating all those stuff by the way and he is giving you prasada so that is coming free no no karma associated with it so free 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 so offering it is very very important so what he does is offering it to the lord first and those desires of eating would happily partake of the food till quite full even as baba pressed them to have more saying lovingly take take some more oh how how great must be the merit of those who partook of the most satisfying meal blessed blessed are those to whom baba served food himself here a doubt may arise as to why baba distributed without any reservation food with meat in it to to many a devotee no special effort is needed to clear this doubt he would serve this food only to those who were habituated to non vegetarian food he would not even let them touch meat who have never eaten it in their lives he never did anything so thoughtless moreover it was given only to him who had a strong desire for that prasad when the guru himself is giving the prasad if the disciple has doubts as to whether it is proper or improper to eat that disciple will head for self destruction or go to hell <laughs> so if if you are given something to eat you should you should partake of it don't say no it is not right to say no the reason is because it is a purified thing purified because it is coming from the hands of the guru directly it's purified it has got the highest potency in it and the moment you reject it the entire clearing of that 
the clean the cleaning cleaning up of your system is delayed because of that that is the reason why he says self destruction and baba would see for himself through jokes and humor how far his devotees had become aware of the principle as i write this i collect an anecdote in this context listen to it at ease o listeners and for your own benefit once in an ekadashi day baba said to dada kelkar will you get from me some mutton from korala and sai took out some rupees and counting them gave them to dada do go yourself he commanded only you must do this ganesh damodar whose name was surname was kelkar was called dada by all and in deference to his advanced age he was the father in law of hari vinayak sate himself a brahmin he was scrupulous in observing religious rites and rituals he was a man of right conduct and though the, whose love for sai was boundless i know not how the command did not surprise him who served his guru day and night and yet was not satisfied those not feeble of limb but who have the power and the strength born of prolonged sadhana will not have a fickle mind and their intellect is also unwaveringly fixed at the guru's feet offering of wealth grains clothes are not the only form of dakshina to obey the guru's command to propitiate him and thus to please him is also the dakshina he who offer all his actions speech mind etc at guru's feet and in the end wins his grace attains true and firm faith obeying the command reverently he quickly dressed and was about to set out to go to the village where he when he was called back or else you may just send someone to make the purchase baba said why needlessly take the trouble of going and coming so dada decided to send pandu to bring the mutton but just see what baba said to dada at that time as pandu set out to go and was already on his way he said or let it be today and made him come back later on one occasion uh, this is because you know why uh, most of these brahmins and the people those who don't eat the non vegetarian they don't even want to touch that thing with their hands so to go by mutton or to go by those kind of things is according to them is a forbidden thing they are not supposed to and they will not go so that is the reason why he says to them don't go later on one occasion a sudden fancy seized his mind to prepare the handi putting the vessel on the fire he poured the pieces of mutton into it then he washed the rice and added it along with the measured quantity of water and arranged the firewood in the fireplace sat blowing it while the whole village was a slave to his command anyone would have get, gladly sat there blowing the fire but they dared not do so without baba's command even for cooking or bringing the food it would have been enough for them just to give the order as a devotee enslaved by the love was always so eager and it was sai himself who was not at all interested you know in olden times they had that sigri if you remember you know and that handa was kept on top handi was kept on top and below that you put all the wood and stuff like that and we had a long pipe and and you keep on blowing through it so that the fire keeps on burning below you know and that pipe was always there that is that is the blowing pipe that he are talking about and yet it is not sure even to say that they were not interested for when he had his own gain in view in preparing the food why will he trouble others to make it to the strangers himself he asked for madhukari madhukari is that uh, you go out to some four five houses and you go and ask for shida basically you ask for some food to eat you know uh, which uh, even buddha used to do this is the same thing that is called madhukari going from door to door for it requesting for a quarter piece of jowar bread just enough to sustain him such a one will be readily satisfied only when he himself toils for annadan to others and so he never depended on anyone he himself carefully selected wheat flour rice pulses etc to cook food for a hundred people playing out paying out for the ingredients in cash 
and scuttle basket in hand, he himself went to the grocer. It was truly a lesson for people to learn as to how watchful one has to be in world see one's worldly dealings. Taking a particular ingredient in hand, he would fix the rate only after hard bargaining. I was just now telling you that he would do hard bargaining. No one could cheat him. Their pride being completely humbled. So he will negotiate, negotiate, negotiate the rates. He would put up such a pretense of calculating. But while paying promptly in cash, he would give even 10 when the shopkeeper had asked for only 5. The idea is not to drive the price down. The idea is to get the right value for the money that you have. Correct? So getting the right value is very, very important. He liked to do things himself and would approve if someone else did the work. Nor did he expect others to do things for him. And yet he was not resentful of people. This was the one principle that was constantly present in Baba's mind day and night. Hence, even the work for the handi. He never asked for help from anyone. Not only in the matter of handi, but three-fourths of the eastern wall of the storeroom for firewood near the dhuni was also constructed by Baba with his own hands. Mahadu would prepare the mortar, a mixture of mud, lime and cow dung and water and trowel in hand. Baba would plaster the wall, carefully placing layer upon layer of bricks to erect the walls. Oh, what Baba did not do? He smeared the floor of the mosque with cow dung wash himself, stitched his kafni and langot with his own hands without any expectation from anyone. When the steam rose out of the boiling handi, scorching hot, Baba would pull up his sleeves and thrusting his hand inside would stir up the contents up and down. And this was an amazing thing that he would do. He would take, remember he had a very long hands. Okay, what he would do is with his can, can you put your hand in your boiling, you know, you are boiling something on the gas. Can you put your hand and do like this, like this? I am sorry, you are going to get burnt. <laughs> Baba would do that. He would put his hand right inside and stir the whole thing up. <laughs> that was his amazing capacity. He was a great yogi also. So, he could perform these kind of feats. So, disclaimer, don't try this at home. <laughs> When the steam rose out of the boiling handi, scorching hot, Baba would pull up his sleeve and thrusting his hand inside would stir up the contents up and down. Seeing that the vessel was boiling and ready to be stirred, Baba would show the marvelous Leela at the moment. Oh, when the hand of flesh and blood and where the vessel scorching hot, but neither any sign of the burn nor the frightened face could be seen. And how could the fire hurt a hand, which removed the threefold affliction of the devotees the moment it fell on their heads? Did it not know his greatness? The soaked pulses he himself picked cleaned with the stone slab and ground them with the stone roller. With his own hands, he would pat the mixture into small cakes. These were then gently slipped into the handi and stirred so that they may not risk stick to the bottom of the vessel. Once ready, he would take the vessel down and distribute the prasad to all. You know, even while when we are making these bhajiyas and all that, you know, if the oil is cold and if you put the bhajiya batter in that oil, what happens? It goes and settles down. You know that, no? So what do you do? You have to get the consistency of the oil. It has to be heated to a particular level and then only slip it correctly. It is only when you do it. You see, it, it is, it's a method of observation. And after many, many years of cooking, a person will understand that there is a technique in all these things which are used. So Baba was very well versed into all these things. So he would slip that thing correctly at the right time so that it doesn't settle at the bottom. So it will float up. And it will become solid in that case. They were then gently slipped into the handi and stirred so that they may not stick to the bottom of the vessel. Once ready, he would take the vessel down and distribute the prasad to all. 
But why to everyone? The listeners may ask, Sai Baba was a Muslim. Then how could he make them act against their dharma in this way? There, there is but one answer to this. Sai Baba was constantly aware of what is true dharma and adharma. And never did Sai insist in the least that the food cooked in the handi should be eaten by all. But whoever was urged by the good desire that he should get the prasad, the desire for such only was satisfied by him fully. He never deceived anyone. Moreover, who, who knew his caste? Because he lived in the mosque, they all said he was a Muslim. But from his general conduct, no one could make out the caste. Does one look at the caste of him in the dust of whose feet the devotee rolled in the loving devotion treating him as God? Oh, shame on their spirituality. He in whom detachment in this world and the next was ingrained and whose wealth consisted in discriminating knowledge and renunciation. Should the caste be consideration at all? Shame, shame on the spirituality of such. Oh, does one even think in caste of him who is beyond dharma, adharma is pure bliss? Shame indeed on the spirituality of such. Such is Baba's life story. I, for one, spring his praises from my own happiness and it will also satisfy the keen desire of anyone who wants to listen. But we have left far behind the threads of the present story. So now listen attentively to what Baba said to Dada. Some savory pulao has been prepared. Have you seen how it has turned out? Oh yes, yes, it is very good, said Dada, just as a formality. We always say, na, how does it taste? Very nice, nice. Okay, okay, good, good. <laughs> so it's a, we talk like this, so he also said the same thing. As a formality, a person said, Dada was an old staunch devotee who scrupulously observed daily ritualistic rituals, religious rituals such as bath, sandhya, etc. and was also particular about conformity or otherwise to the shastras. To him, this did not appear to be a proper thing. So, Baba said to Dada, Never have you set eyes on it before, nor has the palate ever tasted it. How can you say it is good? Just remove the cover of the vessel. Put your hand into it to see for yourself. And holding his hand in his own, he just thrust it into the vessel. <laughs> he then said, Now take your hand out, take the ladle and serve it on a plate. Do not worry about sovla. Do not indulge in such vain talk. When the saint will ever ask the disciple to do anything to pollute him is most improper idea. They are always full of compassion and only they knew their own ways. Even a mother, when seized by a sudden surge of affection, pinches the child lovingly. But when the child screams, it is she who will at once hug him. Only when one really wishes to taste the forbidden food did Baba satisfy his desire for it. But one who has control over the mind always won Baba's approval. The devotee's firm resolve to obey Baba's command sometimes went to such an extent that those who had never touched meat in their lives also wavered in their belief. But in fact, Baba himself never induced such devotees to follow what they consider as the wrong path. Thus, before the year 1910, the occasion of the handi used to come very frequently, attended with great enthusiasm. But after that, Dasganu visited Bombay and through the Kirtans impressed Baba's greatness upon the minds of all. And from then on, the young and the old, they all came to know of Baba's powers and innumerable people started visiting Shirdi. They began Baba's puja complete with the five puja ingredients and many types of food offerings for lunch and snack at noon and in the afternoon. Rice with varan. This is what I was telling you. This is the first thing that you have to offer. Shira with puris. These are the things. Chapatis, dressed salads, chutneys, varieties of panchamrut, kheer, all such dishes flooded in the mosque. Pilgrims flocked there unlimited in number. Each and every one would go running for the darshan and offer at the feet food offerings which naturally went towards satisfying the hungry. Sai Baba began to be treated as a king, the umbrella and the charmer being waved over his head and loud music of tals and other instruments as the number of devotees grew. His fame spread far and wide and began to sing his praises. Later Shirdi became a holy place, a place of pilgrimage for the pilgrims. Now there remains no reason for handi. So numerous were the food offerings that 
much food still remained after satisfying the fakirs gosavis etc but now i shall narrate another story which you will be happy to hear baba was always displeased if disrespect was shown towards one titular deity drawing their own inference some called baba as brahmin some muslim some in fact he was without any caste without knowing where he belonged where and in what caste he was born or who his parents were muslim or brahmin had he been a muslim how would he have allowed fire worship in the mosque and would there have been a tulsi vrindavan or could he have tolerated the sounding of the bells would he have permitted the blowing of conch or katha kirtan or to the accompaniment of musical instrument like tal mridanga etc and the ceaseless proclamation of hari naam in the mosque if he had been a muslim would he have allowed sandalwood paste being applied to the forehead as he sat in the mosque and would he eat in mixed company had he been a muslim would he have ears ears that were pricked and spending money out of his own pocket would have renovated temples that were old and dilapidated would he have allowed being dressed in the fine rich pitambar after his bath on the contrary not for a moment would he have brooked any disrespect towards any titular deity i remember a very instructive tale in this connection as i am writing this i shall very humbly relate it to you please listen to it quietly so it happened that baba was just returned from the lady and was sitting in the mosque the devotees had also gathered for his darshan Among them was the great devotee Chandorkar, who was so dear to Baba. Eager for Baba's darshan, he had come from Biniwale with his brother-in-law. After making obeisances to Sainath, they both sat down in front of him. And while inquiries after their well-being, etc., were in progress, Baba suddenly grew very angry. He said, "Nana, how could you forget this? Is this all that you have learned after spending days with me? You who have been in the company, is this all that it has come to in the end? Or how could your mind be so deluded? Tell me everything carefully." On hearing this, Nana hung his head and began to look for the reason for his anger, but could not remember any and became very disturbed in the mind. He could not understand whether he had gone wrong. Could think of no reason for his anger. But Baba would never hurt anyone's feeling unless something had happened. So he caught Baba's feet, entreating him in a various ways. In the end, he spread his uparna before him, asking him why he was so angry with him. When you have been in my company for years together, why should the state of the mind be still such? What has happened to you? said baba to him see being in the company of the sages your mind gets overcome please understand this the mind is something which is overcome you don't have to bother about it and always the mind will be at the feet of the divine so <clears throat> when you reach kopargaon and what happened on the way did you get down anywhere or drive the tonga straight here did anything unusual happen on the way i wish to hear everything in detail tell me what happened and where whether it is trivial or otherwise nana at once understood as he heard this his face fell through his heart he was ashamed to tell yet he narrated everything he made up his mind that hide and seek will not do so he narrated to baba in detail what had happened with size with size untruth could never work size grace could never be obtained by telling a falsehood untruth leads to the fall and ultimately to the evil end see this is a very important line you should remember this whom are you telling lies to you are telling lies to somebody who knows the entire truth so there is no point in telling lies you know you should always tell the truth even if it is the worst kind of you know truth that it may be hurting you the most but always open up it is very very important to open up if you give your guru what is called as the power of attorney to make a change in your life then it is important it is very very important to be truthful never hide from him anything so what uh, over what he had done nana had done over here he had hidden something very very carefully what he was doing was he had promised a certain amount of money to this temple on the way there is a datatre temple over there 
So he had promised this person that the next time when I'm coming from here, I will give you a certain amount, that's 300 rupees or so. And he was not having that money at that time. So what he did was he quietly went away from the other side. <laughs> so it is like this many at times, you know, you try to circle from there, you know, don't want to face that person. Why? Because the person may ask you for the money. So you just vanish from there. So at such point in time, so Baba is asking him, so what happened on the way? Why are you like this? So we will see what he says. To deceive the Guru is a great sin and there is no expiation from it. Knowing this full well, Nana narrated to Baba what had happened from beginning to the end. He said, at first when we engaged the Tonga, it was to go straight up to Shirdi. But Bini Wale would have missed there, there by the darshan of Sri Datta on the banks of the Godavari. Being a Datta devotee, he naturally wished to get down on the darshan as he was passing the temple which was on the way. But I was in mighty hurry and prevented him saying that he could have darshan while returning from Shirdi. Becoming impatient, it would cause delay in reaching Shirdi. I put it off there by disregarding having Datta darshan. Later, while bathing in the Godavari, a big thorn got lodged in my foot, causing me great distress and comfort on the way. Ultimately, until I ultimately pulled it out with some effort. By the way, there were two thorns which went into their feet, one in his feet and one in his brother-in-law's feet. <laughs> because both of them wanted to run away. That story is given at the end. You go to the end and see. It is there in the last page. Okay. Later on you can see. Later while bathing in the Godavari, a big thorn got lodged in my foot, causing me great distress and discomfort on the way. Until I ultimately pulled it out of with some effort. Baba warned him, such haste is not good. This time you have been lightly let off. Only with a thorn prick for disregarding darshan. When a holy titulary deity like Datta is waiting on the way to give darshan without an effort, will I ever be pleased with your fortunate one who disregards his darshan? Oh, now let us talk about the handi. Oh, what sanctity attended that the meal with Sai in the afternoon and what affection Sai had for the devotees. Each day as the devotee would return after Baba's puja and Aarti at noon, Baba would give Udi to them all. Baba would come out and stand at the edge of the parapet of the mosque while the devotees would stand waiting in the courtyard. Then they would bow at his feet one by one and as they stood in front of him after bowing at his feet one by one, he would apply the Udi on the forehead of them all. Now all of you young and old go to your respective homes and have your meal. Obeying Baba's command respectfully, the people would return home. The moment Baba's back was turned, the curtain would be pulled down as was the daily practice to the clanging of the plates and the vatis and all the pomp and the show of the prasad would then begin. Many a devotee would sit waiting in the courtyard below desirous of receiving small portions of the naivedya, sanctified by the touch of Sai's hand. Here as Baba sat in the back of the niche of the wall, on either side of him would sit spectacular rows of diners, each one of whom was very happy. Each one would push his own naivedya in front of Sai Samarth and he too would mix all of them together in a large plate with his own hands. Immeasurable good fortune is needed to receive from Baba's hand even a grain of rice which would purify him who eats it inwardly and outwardly and brings fulfillment to his life. Vadas, Anarsas, Sanjoris, puffed rice, wheat cake, sometimes shri Shikran, Nagas, Fenias, a wide variety of vegetables, kheers and salads, Baba would mix all of them together. He would then offer the food mixed together to God and Shama and Nana Nimonkar would be asked to serve platter after platter filled with it. Then calling the devotees one by one, making them sit near him with great love and joy, he would make them eat till fully satisfied. Varan and chapatis, squeezed out together into a mass of making it delicious by the addition of tasty clarified butter, would then be served by Baba to all. As one savoured the mixture prepared so lovingly by Baba, oh, who can express the blissful joy one experienced? One who tasted it would go, still licking the fingers and being fully satiated. 
Sometimes manadas, puran poli, sometimes puff, puff fried wheat cake soaked in sugar syrup, sometimes basundi, shira, sanzoris. I know these these are all Marathi names by the way, but <laughs> remember you also eat them at home. These are all those uh, sweet meats that we make at home. You know those those are used to it. So so sometimes basundi, shira, and sanzori. Sometimes chapati stuffed with jaggery. Such was the varied and the delicious fare that Baba served. Sometimes white milk rice to the fragrant ambe mohar variety was very tasty varan and delicious clarified butter on top of it would be served surrounded by various types of vegetables pickled papad salads with dressings or curds types of bhajiyas etc on rare occasions even buttermilk curd and panchamrit were also there i'll take another 2 3 minutes okay blessed are those who could partake of that sanctified food where it was sainath who served them on what to say of the meal the devotees ate there till they are full their satiety being evidenced by belching every mouthful brought satisfaction being pleasurable nourished and hunger appeasing such was the tasty delicious food sacred and served so lovingly taking sai's name with every morsel all the diners ate in the spirit of the ahuti or fire offering and yet the vessel did not in the least become emptied the remained full all the time whichever delicacy a particular person was fond of that was served to him very affectionately many like mango juice and very lovingly it was served to them nana saheb nimonkar or madhavrao deshpande was asked to serve the delicious food every day and they too had made it a daily practice to undertake this work of serving food very lovingly although it caused them a good deal of exertion and fatigue the fragrant jeera sal rice each grain of which was like a jasmine bud then the that is that jeera samba that you have in south india and ambe mohar is ponni rice you know ponni rice chennai people have that ponni rice so that ponni rice okay but ponni rice with a fragrance of amba amba means mango so it is called ambe mohar okay the mohar means the first flowers of mango mango tree has got the first flower the small white white thing that you see and this rice has got that smell of that mango in it so it is called ambe mohar it is ponni rice okay if you go to all these malls you will you ask them ambe mohar they will charge you some 70 rupees kilo or something <laughs> in bangalore i don't know in usa how much they charge but that is it so jeera sal and a spoonful of clarified butter to top it all was served to all its fragrance pervaded the air even if it was being served the meal would be frequent while serving along with the different chutneys and no dish was either half cooked or tasteless in the least and everyone ate till they were fully satisfied the vermicelli and the platter of blissful samadhi and the kurdais of long devotion had to feast on them who will come but one who had experienced peace and joy the kurdais are this the, the white uh, sago papads that you get no sangas kurdais and all those things that you get hmm when food itself is hari one who eats it is hari and he who enjoys it stays is also hari then he who serves the food is truly blessed 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 is he who eats it and he who gives it and the one genuine source of this sweetness is one swerve unswerving faith in the guru it's not the sugar or the jaggery that is sweet it is the firmly rooted faith in sai such indeed was the continual prosperity reigning there when the sira kheer or the mixture of different food items was so plentiful even a little hesitation or dawdling on the part of the diners would not do once they sat down on the meal but the satisfaction of the diners would not be complete even after such a variety of dish without curd and rice if not so at least some buttermilk would be asked for 
Once a glass of pure buttermilk filled by the guru with his own hands was very lovingly offered to me and when I put it to my lips, seeing the snow white buttermilk with my eyes gave me great pleasure and satisfaction. As I put the glass to my lips, I received the nourishment of self-rejoicing. As it is, my stomach was so full. How will I be able to drink this? Even as this torturous doubt crossed my mind, I found this first draught very most delicious. Seeing me feeling so awkward and hesitant with a sincere entreaty, Baba said, Oh, drink it all up. And if he felt that such an opportunity was not going to come again, and sure enough, I had the experience soon. For at the end of the tour, two months thereafter, Baba gave her the ghost and really attained Nirvana. Now, there is no other way to quench the thirst of this buttermilk except for drinking deeply into the nectar of Sai's story. This is the only way left. Hemat surrenders to Sainath, whichever story Sai himself reminds me of, that will be narrated next. Let the listeners continue to be attentive. We will be to all here in the 38th chapter of Sri Sai Samar Satcharita called the description of the Handi as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemat. So we have finished this chapter. I have taken about 5 minutes more.